We read in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless us now around your word. O Lord, encourage our hearts today. Stir our spirits, Lord. Bless us through your word as we come to think and consider this wonderful passage. Just pray that your blessing may be upon each one of us gathered in the sanctuary and for the children who have left left us, Lord, and gone from us now. Bless their time as well, we pray. Remember those who can't be out this morning. We think of the sick, those who are laid aside, and we pray for them today. You know, Lord, at this time of year, all the sickness that's around, and we're just praying that the one who was in the manger, but now at the right hand of the Father, that he would lay his healing touch upon those who are laid aside, for it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Caesar Augustus was the most powerful man in the world whenever our Lord was born. He was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. He's known for building a great network of roads. And he also introduced early forms of the fire brigade, the police force and the postal service. He ruled over most of Europe and uh, all the lands around the Mediterranean. So he's well known in history, a very, very famous Roman emperor. Some people would argue that he was the greatest of the Roman emperors. Here's a couple of fun facts for you. He had gaps in his teeth. I don't feel so bad now. He had curly hair, and his eyebrows met in the middle. Well, those are just humorous facts that historians tell us about Caesar Augustus. But we come today on this Christmas Eve 2023 to think about someone far greater than Caesar Augustus. I want to speak today about the gospel of Caesar Augustus or the gospel according to Caesar Augustus. Now stay with me. Don't Don't misunderstand me. You'll hopefully see what I'm getting at as we make our way through the message today. Archaeologists have unearthed inscriptions from Rome's ruins that speak of Caesar Augustus. So what what did these inscriptions say about this famous emperor who ordered the decree, the taxation, whenever Christ was born in Bethlehem. What do the inscriptions tell us about this man? How he was viewed by the citizens of the Roman Emperor of the Roman Empire? You know, one of the inscriptions said that he's God. Caesar Augustus is God. He's divine. There's actually an inscription that was discovered in Turkey, the land that we know today as Turkey. It was called Asia Minor 
in Bible times, but Turkey. And archaeologists discovered an inscription dating back to 9 BC. And it was about this emperor, Caesar Augustus. This is what it says. The most divine Caesar. Do you get that? The most divine Caesar. We should consider equal to the beginning of all things. Goes on to say, all the cities unanimously adopt the birthday of the divine Caesar as the, the new beginning of the year. Having become God manifest. That ring a bell? First Timothy 3.16, God was manifest in the flesh. Caesar has fulfilled all the hopes of earlier times. The birthday of the God Augustus has been for the whole world the beginning of good news concerning him. <clears throat> That's what the inscription that the, archeolo- the archaeologists discovered. That's what it said. Well, I want to tell you today that we turn from that inscription to the only inscription that matters to think about our blessed Lord who was born in the manger. What does this inscription here have to say about him? Moving away, leaving Caesar Augustus now. The inscriptions of Rome tell us, oh, Caesar Augustus, he was God, divine. Well, we say, let's consider the one who was truly divine. Our Savior who was God. Let's move away from a false God to the true God who was born in Bethlehem, born in the cradle. He's God. The Bible on many occasions speaks of his divinity, his deity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Can you get it any clearer than that? Can't make it any plainer. And then that great verse, John 1:14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our Saviour was God. He is God. The one in the manger was God Almighty. That little child was divine. You know, this was, this was subversive. Into a world where the vast majority of the citizens of, of Rome, they looked upon their emperor as divine. He's God. But into this situation... Lo and behold, the true God comes. Christ comes. This is a subversive act. This is a revolutionary act. For him to claim to be God, to be divine in the face of the Caesar in Rome. This was very much anti-establishment. But it was true because he was God. Caesar Caesar was a counterfeit God. Christ was the true God. 
And the only inscription that matters is this book that assures us that our Lord was divine. If he hadn't been divine, he might as well have stayed in heaven. Only someone who was God could save us. Only someone who was truly God, who was perfect God, could redeem us from our sins. And he was God, and that's, of course, the good, one of the aspects of the good news at Christmas time, the divinity, the deity of our Savior. You know, they not only said that Caesar Augustus was God, but these, the inscriptions that were discovered, they tell us that he was the Savior. Caesar, he's the Savior. Listen to another inscription discovered by archaeologists relating to this man. Who being sent to us and our descendants as Savior. Do you get it? He was looked upon as Savior. Caesar is the Savior. Augustus is the Savior. By his Pax Romana, his Peace, he's the Savior. He has brought prosperity. He has saved us from poverty. And so this title was ascribed to Caesar Augustus, Savior. Well, that's a coincidence, isn't it? Did not our Lord come into the world to be the Savior? Remember Mary and her Magnificat? My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. I don't know whether you noticed uh, on your, your Christmas cards when they came through the letterbox, did you notice the stamps? Did you ever look at the stamps? Well, this past week, it just happened to glance at the stamp, and there it was, Mary and the baby Jesus. The only problem was there was halos around both heads. There should only have been a halo around our Lord's head because Mary was a sinner. She is a sinner. But thank God, saved by grace. Mary needed a saviour. Caesar Augustus couldn't save her. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the little one in the womb, would be her saviour. He did not come to judge the world, he did not come to blame. He did not only come to seek, it was to save. He came, and when we call him Savior, and when we call him Savior, and when we call him Savior, then we call him by his name. Isn't that what the angel said to Joseph? Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. That's what Jesus means. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Don't you just love that little word, shall. He shall save his people from their sins. This is not something that's sort of in the balance. You know, some Christians go around, oh, I wonder what's... Well, the Lord save his people. I wonder we'll all be gathered in. 
Well, listen again to the angel. He shall save his people from their sins. I wonder, does that apply to you today? I wonder, is he going to save you today? I trust that it may be so. You can come to church, go to carol services all your life and still not be saved. You come to the services all your life and end up in hell. You see, the Bible says, it talks in Ecclesiastes of the wicked dead who had come and gone from the place of the holy. The house of God, the place of the holy. People who had come and gone, but they were buried as wicked. They hadn't been saved. Isn't that a tragedy to hear about a saviour? I mean, you only need to hear once. Not umpteen times. To hear of a saviour and yet to reject his salvation. Oh, the angel that appeared to the shepherds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour which is Christ the Lord. Luke 2, 11, he's the saviour. Appeared to the shepherds on the night shift. Do you ever work a night shift? Shepherds were working the night shift. The message came to them. And they were saved, redeemed. See, the Lord can save told the story of the children today of the, the girl saved in the snow on a mountainside. The Lord is not restricted to, to, uh, to a building. He's the saviour. The word in the Greek is soter, S-O-T-E-R. The, the saviour, the one who saves from sin. Caesar Augustus, he's God. Caesar Augustus, oh, he's the saviour. Here's something else that's, that's found on the inscription. He's Lord. Caesar is Lord. Come with me now to the arena in ancient Rome. The early Christians. All they had to say was two words. And they could live. Kaiser Curios. Caesar is Lord. And if they said those two words, they would be spared. Their lives would be saved. They wouldn't be thrown to the wild beasts. All they had to say was Kaiser Curious. But instead of Kaiser Curious, do you know what the early Christian martyrs said? Christus Curious. Jesus Christ is Lord. And they paid with their own blood. Don't we need something of the spirit of the early Christian martyrs today? We're going to need it to tell you in the days to come. Each year a Roman citizen had to burn a pinch, a, a pinch of incense on the altar. And acknowledge publicly that Caesar was supreme Lord. 
Emperor worship was compulsory for every Roman citizen. The burning of a pinch of incense was rewarded by a certificate which had to be renewed annually. Failure to produce a certificate meant being branded as a Christian. And this opened the way if the magistrates so decided for the death penalty on the ground of treason. And many believers went to their death and died a cruel death. And sure, we get offended if somebody doesn't take a tract. We get annoyed if somebody refuses a tract. Well, these believers thrown to the lions. They would not acknowledge Caesar as Lord. They would not say that Caesar Augustus was Lord because they knew they would be speaking a lie. But rather they declared they weren't ashamed. As many Christians today unfortunately are ashamed of Christ. But they weren't ashamed to stand for him. If the hymn had been around back then they would have sang with all their hearts I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. And many suffered a martyr's death and have joined the great army of martyrs in glory today. They refused to recant. They refused to capitulate. But they boldly proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord. Of course, the angel said that to the shepherds, did he not? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He's the Lord. Who is he in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Have you crowned him Lord of your life? Oh, he, he's still the Lord, even if you don't. But I'm asking a personal question. Have you crowned him Lord of your life? Because your eternity depends on it. If he is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. You know, that word Lord is mentioned 102 times in the Acts of the Apostles. 102 times he's the Lord. Do you know how many times the word love is mentioned? Zero. A big fat zero in the book of Acts. Love. Nowhere to be found. I'm not saying that they never preached about the love of God, but I'm just saying that the emphasis was on the Lordship of Christ. And as believers, that's where our emphasis must be. The Lord Jesus has been given a name above every name. And at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We think of the words of Elizabeth to Mary, Luke 1, And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Can you say with Elizabeth? My Lord, is he your Lord? That's what was said of Caesar Augustus 
and the inscriptions. He's Lord. But we know that he wasn't the Lord. We know that the one who was in the manger in Bethlehem was Lord. Then finally, let me finish off. Son of God, Caesar Augustus, he's the son of God. That's what they said about him. That's what was believed and proclaimed. Listen, here's just one final quotation from an inscription. Emperor Caesar Augustus, son of God. Son of God. But you only have to turn to Mark 1 and verse 1. The very first verse of Mark's gospel. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Son of God. Caesar Augustus. You're a counterfeit. The real Son of God has come. And is born this day in the city of David. Yes, he's the true son of God. You know, at the beginning of the service, we sang about the cradle and the cross, didn't we? Very first hymn, opening hymn. Go look on his cradle, his cross, and his tomb. Come with me to the cross now. Because there's a man in Mark chapter 15, verse 39, who declared that Christ was the son of God. Mark 15, 39, and when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. The centurion at the cross. I wonder, do we understand, do we really appreciate today how stupendous that statement was from the lips of the centurion A Roman centurion who had to answer to Caesar Augustus who claimed to be the son of God. And yet here's the centurion because of what he saw at the cross and the cries of Christ upon the cross. The darkness, the rending of the graves, the earthquake, all that has happened. This centurion is now convinced that Jesus Christ is in fact the son of God. It's not Caesar Augustus. It's not the emperor. He's fake. He's counterfeit. This man dying in weakness as it seems. Dying in agony on Calvary. Truly this man. Was the son. Of God. Over the past few Sunday nights. We've been thinking about Isaiah 9. You remember the words. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Let's pray.